Good to see everybody today. We're going to jump into our series. Got a lot to say today, and I hope you're taking notes. Um, you know, uh, this series has been in our hearts, in the pastor's hearts, for a couple of years. We've been really looking at um, how to address some of the things that uh, are culturally um, pressing, our, especially our young people. When I say that, that's everybody from, from 10 years old to 30 years old. So if you're in that category, you're young. Um, but uh, particularly through social media, but not just social media. There's just a cultural uh, shift that's taking place, and it's happening. When I was young, and I'm 50, 55 now, when I was young, uh, things changed, you know, annually things changed. But now it's changing like daily. It's just there's so much happening. And there's an attack on the church that has not, that's not something that's new. It's been going on since the beginning. But uh, it's continued, and it feels like it's, it's ramped up. It feels like that it's even more... Um, even more uh, bizarre, even now, even even more vigilant now, the attack on the church. And if the enemy can't get you, because you might be sitting here today, going, you know, I've been a Christian for <clears throat> 30 years, and I've been reading the Word of God, and I pray every day, and, you know, the enemy's like, well, okay, I can't get you, but I'll get your grandbabies. I'll get your kids. I'll get, I'll get somebody, you know. And so we, we can't just sleep. We can't just sleep. We're on duty. We have a mission. And so this message series is crafted to equip us. We said three weeks ago, and uh, I've said it each week, that, that but part of being a Christian is that, take, that I take responsibility for my own spiritual formation. Uh, the church is a tool that God uses to help equip us, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, right? And then we have uh, other tools available to us, but, but at the end of the day, um, when we stand before Jesus, we give account for what we took responsibility for, and so each individual has a responsibility for your own spiritual formation, and part of that spiritual formation for all of us is to develop an apologetic, uh, and it was brought to my attention, I needed to explain this a little bit, that we're not talking about apologizing for our faith, an apologetic is to, to know why you believe what you believe, and at any given day, most everybody in here, probably most Christians would be able to respond if somebody said, why are you a Christian? Um, you know, we respond with one-liners, we respond with surface-level responses like, well, Jesus died for me on a cross on Calvary. Make that rhyme right there, y'all. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we give these, these short answers, but we don't, we don't have an apologetic. We don't understand the depths of why we believe. We know what we believe, but we don't know why we believe it. And so developing an apologetic is important, and that's why we're doing this series. If you've been here the last two, uh, three weeks... You, you probably are like, whoo, that was a lot. You know, that was like eating a rich bowl of gumbo. You know, it was like, whoo, stuck to my ribs. You know, that, that's what our hope is that it is a lot, but it's also challenging to you to not just come to church, listen, and go, oh, that was a good sermon, you know, but to dig a little deeper. And I will to tell you, it, it, I, I've met with several people now in this conversation about the message series and progressive Christianity and apologetics, and a lot of people are going back and re-watching the messages, and so... We make all of our sermon series available online, uh, not only in video form on our website, but also on our Northwood Wiggins Facebook page. Um, there's a link to our podcast, so you can actually hear this message today if you want to listen to it, watch it. But go back and review it. Uh, a lot of the leaders are going back and watching it before they lead their groups, and they're, they're, they're breaking it down because it's, it is a lot. I've got a lot to share with you today, so we want to get started, but I just wanted to challenge you in that. Take some notes. Mentally, try to download some of this, but then go back and watch again. We need to develop an apologetic. We need to understand why we believe what we believe. We've been using Colossians 2.8 each week, kind of the launching pad, where Paul spoke to the church and says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And there again, that is our responsibility to do, to, to be, see to it. See to it. Father, help us to see to it. Father, help us to, to absorb the truth. Help us to make it our own. Help us to understand why. Help us to, to not only be willing to live for Jesus, but also to understand that we're willing to die for Jesus. Whatever it takes, because we believe what we believe, we believe it's right. Help us, Holy Spirit. We need you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Our goal in this series has been to prepare us uh, through information to inform us and also to equip us to declare biblical truth in a loving and logical way. So we're, we're, we're 
told in the Bible to be ready in season and out of season to give a defense for what we believe, right? That's what the Bible tells us. And so we, we need to understand it. We need to be able to articulate it. Um, progressive Christianity, we use this term each week. This is, a, uh, this is not Christianity. It's actually not true Christianity, even though they use the label Christianity, progressive Christianity. But progressive Christianity is on the rise throughout our nation and throughout Europe. And um, it is bringing to the table a false doctrine or her- heretical doctrine, um, error at best, but heretical at worst, that it contradicts everything we believe, every foundational doctrine that we believe. The things we sing about are doctrinal statements, the things we preach, the things we live, why we live, why we believe what we believe. It's because of truth that is formed and proven over and over again throughout the centuries. And progressive Christianity comes against that. Its goal is to undermine that. And so what we've done is we took a book by a guy named Philip Gully, who is a progressive Christian thought leader, and uh, he gave the Ten Commandments, as I think is what it's called, the Ten Statements of Christian uh, progressive Christian thinking. And we're kind of breaking down those statements to help us to contradict what he's saying. want to just clarify, we do not agree with uh, Philip Gully. He is a pastor. We don't agree with him, and we totally are 180 in our beliefs. But it helps us with a foundation of, uh, to talk about it. And so each week we've taken a few of the different statements. Today I'm going to give you two statements that we're going to kind of dissect a little bit today. Number one, and I believe it on the screen here, but number one is gracious behavior is more important than right belief. In the second statement, and let's just go with both of them right now, inviting questions is more valuable than supplying answers. So I'm reading again just so, for help. Gracious behavior is more important than right belief. Inviting questions is more important than supplying answers. Now, immediately, let me give you the balance to what I'm fixing to preach. The balance, that the, what I could say at the end, but I'm going to say up front, is that yes, yes, we do believe uh, and agree that gracious behavior is important. We believe that, right? <laughs> we do believe that inviting questions is important. That's part of the rhetorical equipping of the saints. It's back and forth. It's a, it's a conversation, right? And we believe in these things. However, not at the expense of right belief. Not at the expense. And that's where progressive Christianity turns the table on us and says, you know, this is important, not this. But this that they're discarding is foundational for us as Bible-believing Christians. Now, I understand even in progressive Christianity, and not all, but many of the people who are, have migrated from, well, well, to progressive Christianity often come from traditional churches. And I get it, man. Some of them were really hurt in churches. So can I just say there are some really bad things that happen in churches? I mean, we're not naive to that. There's abuses that take place. There's there's, there's manipulation that takes place, and it can go from anywhere from things about money to things about, uh, you know, family and just gets weird, control, and there's some really bad things. And I know if we had the time, we went around the room and we held the microphone to everyone. You got a story, and, and we all have a story, and some of you, you don't have a bad story, but many of you have a story that you're like, oh my goodness, let me just tell you. So yeah, we get that. But just because you've been hurt doesn't mean that all of Christendom is bad. That doesn't mean you start your own religion to make it all better. That's what we'll do. But that's what's been done. And, and so it, it has an appeal. And I, speak, I will speak to the, the teenagers in the room. Man, and I speak to you very respectfully. If you're a teenager here today, let me, let me listen to Pastor Mike. Listen. It is very, very appealing it is very appealing. Even if you've never been hurt, it's very appealing. Typically, the, uh, the, the invitation to come join is going to be wrapped up in statements like we just read. Gracious behavior. Come on. Don't we believe in that? You know, and it's, it's got a measure of truth. We said this a few weeks ago. They take whole truths and they turn them into half-truths. And they sound really true, but how many of you know a half-truth is actually just a lie? And so... This is a warning. This is a warning. This is a warning, right? Yellow beacon. This is a warning. We have to be aware of what is happening around us. But we do understand that, that people have been hurt. And oh, oftentimes it's because of lack of grace. And my goodness, I, I, I tell you, I think back over the years, and some of you have been around the whole time, Doug and Susan, 
you know, you were, you were foundational. You were here from the beginning, and we, we've seen a lot of people come and go. And I, w- I will be honest, and, and uh, we, we've not done it all right. Now, I, I, I don't think we've ever abused anybody, but we've done, we've done some things that I could, if I could go back and change the way we did them, there would be a little more grace involved. But, you know, we've never had a split. We've never had a scandal. We've never had anything major. We, we, we work hard to protect us, right, the people, we do work hard, but, you know, not everything, and if, you found, if you're on the streets or you're on aisle nine at Walmart next week, you might run into somebody that says, yeah, I used to go to Northwood, but typically the, the, the beef they have with us is like, I showed up one Sunday and nobody said hello. I'm sorry, we should have, but if that's the worst we've done, praise Jesus that we haven't done worse, because there is some bad stuff that happens out there. First Peter uh, tells us that we are to give a reason for our faith, but we're to do it with gracious, gentle, respectful behavior. Grace, be gracious and gentle and respectful. And yes, there's a part of Christianity that if we could erase, we would because it was not graceful, not respectful, not gentle in any way. It was mean and bully, and it shouldn't have happened. It was wrong. But at the end of the day, we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're not going to throw out our doctrinal truths that we believe in for the sake of healing, for the sake of, well, we're going to do it different now. At the end of the day, Jesus created his church 2,000 years ago, and we, we have a responsibility. Somebody brought it to us. We got the baton from the generation prior, and we have a responsibility to pass it on, right? Does that make sense? And we want to do that in a right manner, but we want to bring the truths of the old that Jesus established. We want to bring it forward the way he brought it to us and not create our own rules. These two progressive statements that uh, we read today, they imply receiving grace, but receiving it without truth. And that's not okay. The Bible is clear that grace and truth are both important and both are necessary. The two statements we read today, the two progressive Christian statements, come directly against the doctrine of the authority of the Bible. I'm going to break that out for you here today. That's going to be the meat of the message but they come directly against the doctrine of the authority of the Bible. Some of you didn't even know there was a doctrine of the authority of the Bible, but there is a doctrine. I'm talking apologetics now. Some of you taking notes here. You're building your apologetic. There is a doctrine of the authority of the Bible. And it, it's been established from the beginning by God, and we hold true to it. And so we don't just kind of think, well, what do you think we ought to believe? Well, I, I here's my suggestions. That's not how it works. There's doctrines or, or truths of the kingdom of God. One of the biggest conflicts between progressive Christianity and traditional Christianity, my goodness, we're, we're, we're traditional Christians, y'all. <laughs> we're, we're, when I was younger, I, the word traditional was like, ah, I don't even like hymns, ah, you know, <laughs> but I've learned to like hymns. But also I'm realizing that I am a traditional Christian, and I'm proud of that, by the way, and you should be too. But the big conflict between the two really is whether the Bible is true. Isn't that crazy to say? But is the Bible true? Is the Bible relevant? And ultimately, is the Bible all authority? Is it authoritative? Is the Bible the, the authority in our lives? Now, on the surface, we would all say, well, yes, <laughs> but why? But why? So not everybody agrees with this. Progressive Christians typically don't. We have a photo. And Liv, if you can put that photo up, I'm going to read it. But this is a, uh, I actually follow Derek uh, he is a progressive Christian. He has deconstructed his faith, grew up in church, and he, he's got a story. We all do, right? But he decided that he was not going to be a part of traditional Christianity anymore, and he started in progressive Christianity. But he also started an uh, Instagram account, him and his wife, called Your Favorite Deretic. Actually, Your Favorite Heretic is another one, and she's got her own too. This is, this is a good idea, a snapshot of what progressive Christianity believes. The Bible is no more divinely inspired than you or me. It's an anthology of people's experiences of the divine and the world. Sure, let's glean truth and wisdom from the scriptures, but the issue is when the author's perspectives are elevated to disprove the validity of our own. Because at the end of the day, I'm right and the Bible's not. That would be what Derek would say. And uh, I'm not sure that I actually can anyway endorse following Derek. I wouldn't if I were you, but if you're curious and you, you want some entertainment, I think, uh, it actually it, it makes me cry more than it makes me laugh um, because this is a big part of, of 
30-somethings and 20-somethings and now even into the teens is this attitude. And so that's what, that's, this is what some of your kids might be following. If it's not Derek the heretic, it's somebody like Derek the heretic. And, and, and they're on TikTok. And, man, you saw the TikTok video the last few weeks. Man, they come on with the ukulele. Dun, 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 and it sounds good. And the message is so appealing and wrapped in honey. And it tastes good. But it's, it's there to undermine the authority of the Bible. They undermine the doctrines of our faith. Alyssa Childers, and, and I want to say this is on the screen as well. I hope so. But Alyssa Childers... Yeah, is, a, uh, is an apologist of the Christian faith, of our traditional Christian faith. And she has a, a, a couple books out. This is an excerpt from one of her statements here I wanted to share with you as well today. Because this kind of sums up where, where we would agree with. Progressive Christians view the Bible as a record of what people believed about God in the times and places in which they lived, rather than the inspired and authoritative word of God. It's not uncommon for a progressive Christian to express disagreement with a biblical writer or to reject the passages that they find unhelpful. In fact, progressive leader Richard Rohr, another thought leader, we talked about him, I think, last week or the week before, uh, big thought leader, big behind the scenes, nobody, but he's everybody, because he, he's the guy who says stuff that everybody else is on TikTok repeating. Richard Rohr encourages Christians to ignore, deny, and even openly oppose scriptures that are imperialistic, punitive, exclusionary, or tribal. This matters because if we give ourselves permission to deny or ignore the scriptures that don't fit into our preconceived ideas about who God is and how he acts in the world, we will have effectively transferred the authority for truth from the Bible to our own thoughts, feelings, and preferences. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. There again, let me just, let me just challenge you. If you're here today and you're like, yeah, that's not me, Pastor. I mean, I'm good. Don't be selfish. Don't think that I'm preaching this to you. I'm preaching this through you to those that you can disciple and impact and help bring to the knowledge and understanding of Jesus Christ. And it may be your children or your grandchildren. It may be somebody, your neighbor, your coworker. But this is a serious attack on the kingdom of God, on the church. And the Holy Spirit is challenging us to put on our armor, stand up and speak the truth. In love, right? But speak the truth. When we ignore or deny scriptures, we are left with mere human reason that prompts us to ask the question, and here it is, the age-old question, what is truth? Right? I mean, what is truth? What is truth? I, I, I love this story in the Bible, but it's such an eye-opener. When Jesus was arrested and he was taken through some mock trials, this was on the way to Calvary, he was, he was on the way to being crucified, and at one point he was brought before Pilate, actually on more than one occasion in that process, he was brought before Pilate, and, and John kind of gives us the story, John 18, where Pilate's questioning, Pilate's trying to figure this all out. Honestly, Pilate is hyper-political. He's very much like a progressive Christian. He's like, you know, you do you, let me do me, but I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get my hands dirty in this thing because it's, it's all political to him. But he's confronted here with this, this, this moment where he's questioning Jesus. In, in, in John 18, 37, uh, second half, it says, Jesus said, I have come into the world to bear witness to the, what? To the, to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. That's Jesus. Pilate responded to him and said to him, but what is truth? What is truth? I, I'm brought back to the Garden of Eden in the story in the book of Genesis where God tells us the storyline where Adam and Eve were created and put in the garden. They were given all this free reign and just this great mission to accomplish. And God said, man, go and live and be and do and ah, have fun and just it's going to be great. And one rule, don't eat of this tree right here. And uh, I don't know how long, but it certainly it probably wasn't long after when it says the serpent came into the garden. And this is what he said. He said, did God really say, you know, did God really say, he's still saying it today. It's just packaged differently. And I would think today if the serpent were to slip up to you, he would say, come on, man, what is truth? I, really, really, what is truth? I mean, 
We know so much more now than we did 6,000 years ago or whatever it is your Bible says. We know so much more now. Come on. We're so much more intellectual now. I mean, we've got the internet now. (laughs) You know? So what is truth? What is truth? Truth defines. Truth is reality. That's so basic. That's so simple. But that is so being challenged. Truth is reality. Or another word is actuality. The Hebrew word for truth is emeth, and it means uh, firmness or constancy or duration. Uh, This implies an everlasting substance and something that can be relied upon. Truth is everlasting and everlasting and everlasting, and it can be relied upon. Truth, it's solid, never changing. Backing out, progressive Christians say gracious behavior and inquisitive thought is much more of a priority than truth because claims about truth can seem rigid, restrictive, and even abusive. You know you've been hurt. That's how they would get you. That church held to their truth and it hurt you. They said it and were not not willing to change it, and it just wasn't fair. I mean, yeah, and if you're hurt, it's like, yes, yes, pat me on the back again. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I'm not belittling the hurt. But changing truth doesn't fix the hurt. But that's not a progressive Christian statement because changing truth is their goal. Imagine if we were to sit down at your house later this week, Friday night, and Break out a board game. I don't know what your favorite board game is, but let's just say Monopoly, right? Everybody has Monopoly somewhere in the dusty cabinet. And we were to break out Monopoly, and we were to start the game, and here we are a quarter of the way into the game, and all of a sudden, I don't like the way you're playing the game. I don't like that I'm losing, so I'm deciding that I'm going to change the rules. Just for me, though. How would you feel about that, especially if I started winning and you started losing? Would you be tempted to also change the rules for you? I'll show you, Pastor Mike. (laughs) Or would you be like my wife is? She's a rule follower, not a rule breaker. And she would be like, no, I'm sticking to the rules even if I lose, which is actually the better view. (laughs) No, we don't change the rules in the board game. Matter of fact, you would probably go to the instructions in the board. You'd unbox it, pull out the paper, unfold it, and go, no, it says right here, this is how you play the game. These are the rules. This is the truth, (laughs) right? We would cling to that truth. We would hold to the rules because the designer of the game, even fairness, is predicated on us following the rules of the game. Outside of that, changing the rules because my feelings about the game don't line up with truth. Changing the rules of the game creates chaos, utter chaos. We're all playing by our own rules. Can you imagine if there were no rules? Like today, President Biden, I'm going to use him because he's the president, not because I'm picking on him, just decided to put out an executive order. From this day forward, there are no more rules, no more laws. Each person will decide in their own heart what they want to do. I don't know if you've ever played that out, but I don't know that you would make it home today. If somebody didn't run the non-red light and hit you and destroy your car, they would knock you over the head and take what you had. May the strongest man win. Utter chaos. It would be crazy for sure. But according to the progressive Christian statements, rules should be changed to make people feel good, even at the expense of logic. Some would question, can everyone live by their own rules and arrive at the same destination? I mean, that's logical. Progressive Christians don't use logic, by the way. Or should rules even exist? Why do we need rules? Now, now I'm being very selfish right now. 
I don't like rules. I, I don't like rules. I don't like playing by the rules. I want to do what I want to do. And do I sound like a toddler? <laughs> Those with toddlers are like, that sounds like a toddler. There's a lot of toddlers around us. And by the way, who decides which rules we're going to use, right? I mean, it was probably to their advantage that they decided that those, but not my advantage. I'm going to change the rules. It does remind me of a story in the Bible. In the book of Judges, we see the rise and fall of the kingdom of Israel over and over again. They would, they would be in trouble, and God would send a, a judge or a ruler to the land, and he would bring rules, and he would, he would protect them, and they would do good and be blessed. And then all of a sudden, that judge would pass away, and they would begin to decline, and then they would fall into the pit again, and they were doing horrible. And it kept happening over and over and over again. At the end of the book of Judges, in uh, chapter 21, verse 25, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel, right? There's no judge, no king. And by the way, it says that because there were kings in other lands, but Israel had no king. So there was no king means no, there's no ruler or no rules. There was no truth, right, to live by. Everybody, you know, it says everyone did what was right in his own eyes. When everybody does what is right in their own eyes, anarchy, lawlessness, and chaos ensue. Proverbs says it straight, for, uh, Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. We need truth in our lives to maintain order and stability. We need truth. We need truth. A big cultural issue today for us is whether or not, and this is not just for us, but it is very prominent today. Is truth concrete, like rigid, like it's ever, ever true, never changing? Is truth concrete or is it fluid? You know, does it shift and change to meet the need at hand? This is called objective truth and subjective truth. Two words that you probably will hear if you begin to dig in a little bit to this topic today. Objective truth versus Subjective truth. Objective truth is not influenced by personal beliefs, feelings, or behaviors, but based on real facts. This would be truth from without. In other words, I didn't formulate the truth in here or in here, right? But it came from without. It was written down. It was accepted by society as a truth. And so, oh, that reminds me. That reminds me. I just read this this week. That the company that makes rulers for our children to take to school isn't going to make them any longer. If y'all don't understand that, give it to Doug later. He'll explain it. You got it? <laughs> that was funny, y'all. Two laughs in the whole room. Objective, truth from without. Some of y'all, are, I'm lost you. <laughs> Why aren't they making rulers any longer? Because they're 12 inches. They're not supposed to be 13. No longer. Okay. The rest of you got it. Ah! You know, most comedians don't have to explain their jokes. I'm not a good comedian. Let me stick to preaching. Let me stick to preaching. So that's objective truth. Comes from without. Rigid. Doesn't change. Subjective truth is influenced or based on personal beliefs or feelings rather than based on facts. So it's truth from within. It's my truth. So we would, we would be in a conversation. I'm a, I'm a progressive Christian or a leaning that way. You're a traditional Christian. Your truth is based on the Word of God. It's based on what most Christians would believe is fact, right? It's, it's authoritative. It's fact. I'm going to believe in that. But my truth says, hold up, that's your truth. <laughs> but I'm going to go with my truth. My truth is what I want it to be. You can do whatever you want to do. That's your, that's your, your, your privilege, your prerogative. But I'm going to go with my truth. And my truth says, yeah, I'm going to do something different. And so that, that would be contradictory, right? Um, you can imagine give you an illustration, gravity. Gravity is, I think, what most of us would consider a concrete truth, right? A very objective truth. Crazy thing is, no matter if I agree or don't agree with gravity, gravity still works. I could say, you know what, today I just think I'm going to fly. I don't believe in gravity, and I would leap off this stage, just spread eagle, go, let's do this, you know. Truth would prevail. <laughs> truth would win out, and you would laugh, and then you would cry, because I'd be crying, broken, and to the progressive Christian, everything is subjective and it's to be interpreted. It's fluid. Uh, they think that anyone who provides a clear answer is giving an inflexible, rigid, objective truth. 
and they reject it. Now, the crazy thing is the claim that everything is subjective is actually a very objective claim. It's contradictory. Makes no sense. Nonetheless, that's where we stand. This is what we see in culture today. Everyone seeks to live by their own rules. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. Everyone lives by their own truth. We live in a culture where everyone's way of living is right in their own eyes. And honestly, if you look around, you do see what we would consider chaos. And so we have to decide, are we going to live this way? Are we going to say what is truth? Are we going to say, you know, who decides who decides truth or where does truth come from? Are we just going to say, you know what, I'm, I'm jury still out on that? And I think it is a good question to ask, where does truth come from? We believe, as traditional Christians, truth comes from God. That God is the source of all truth. If you, if you really want to know more, you can go back in 2020. We did a very lengthy series uh, called What Do You Believe? And we, we actually laid out detail after detail of why God exists. Because you could question, well, <clears throat> you know, if you're going to base your truth on God, then how do I know God's even real? Then that's, that's a good place to start in apologetics. So we spent three months talking about the facts of why God is real, why He does exist. And so we established that already. I'm not going to redo that today. But coming from that, we as traditional Christians believe that God does exist and that He is the one who establishes truth. Jesus even said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I, Jesus claimed to be the truth. So God is truth. We believe God's truth is clearly expressed in His written word, what we call the Bible. Clearly expressed in His written word. God's word is the rule. God's word is the authority in the Christian life. If you claim to be a traditional Christian, you've given your life to Christ, there's no being a Christian without the word of God because it is the rule book, it is the truth book, it is the way to live. Jesus' way to live God's way, the right way to live. The two progressive Christian statements we read at the beginning directly contradict this doctrine of the authority of the Word of God. Christianity hinges on this statement. Christianity hinges on this doctrine. Without the truth, being from the Word of God, there is no Christianity. And so this is not a, it's not a negotiable, I guess you would say. It's not something they're like, well, you know, honestly. And, and you gotta, you got you to gotta do this work, right? you got to do this work. But there are people in this room today that are 100% convinced of what I just said is true, that God is truth, that He gives us truth through His Word. I, I'm looking around, I see those faces, right? But I also know in this room right now there are people on the other end of the spectrum they are like, I don't know that God even exists, much less is he the truth, or much less is the Bible truth. And then in the middle, it was a lot of people, a lot of people. And, and, you know, the younger you are, the more potential you have to be in this category of saying, well, you know, I believe the Bible is mostly from God, like the word mostly in there, mostly from God. And I think that God probably did have people write down some ideas and things, some truths. But you know, I know that there are, here, here it is, I know that there are some people who would say that the Bible has contradictions. And so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just like one foot in, one foot out on that. And you're, 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 you're eating the cheese on the end of the mousetrap right now. And you're enjoying it in your bliss. But there will come a day when the enemy will slap you in the head with the back you know back of the head with that mouse trap and, and he will trap you you will you will be hammered and he'll kill you he'll kill you if not physically he'll kill you relationally emotionally spiritually he will take you out he's setting you up because if you don't you cannot be a christian unless you believe the bible is the word of god now again I, you know, if you're in a discovery phase i'm not saying that you're not a christian that, that's not my point you're a Christian, but as you discover, realize that the Word of God is truth. As a matter of fact, if you took the time to build an apologetic, you would realize that all of those things that the guys on TikTok and Instagram are saying are contradictions in the Bible are not actually contradictions. They just worded it in a fancy way to be very convincing, very convincing. And I've watched those guys too, a lot of them. 
Matter of fact, if you know what an algorithm is, I've looked at so many that just about everything on my feed now is something to do with progressive Christianity. So I have to actually turn it off sometimes because I'm like, okay, I, I can't handle it anymore. But, but yes, it very, sounds very convincing. There again, let me, let, me just, let me just pastor you for a second. You might be like, but pastor, I'm good, I'm good. But are your kids good? Are the people that you love dearly, are they good? Or are they eating the cheese on the end of the, cheese, the mousetrap? Progressive Christianity uses seeds of doubt. Uh, you know, the Bible, uh, it's an old book. These old guys, they, they just didn't have the intellect we had. They, wrote with the, they did the best they could, guys. That's what they'll say. No, they didn't do the best they could. God inspired the Word of God. God's truth came through men to us today, and we hold truth, and we hold it as authoritative from God. Uh, theologian Wayne Grudem says, the authority of the Scriptures means that all the words in Scripture are God's words in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any word of Scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. So let me take the last few minutes today and, and uh, talk to you about why we believe that this doctrine is, is real. And this is not an ex exhaustive conclusion, but I want to give you something to chew on, something to work with as you, as you work through this this week. But the Bible contains the words of Jesus found in the Gospels. Let's start there. The Bible contains the words of Jesus found in the Gospels. If we believe that Jesus is God, we do, traditional Christians do, believe that Jesus is God and that we, the words and life of Jesus, who is God, right, are in the Bible, then we must agree that the Bible contains the very authority of God because Jesus is God. His authority is in the Bible. His words are in the Bible. So that the Bible contains the authority of God. John 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, capital W, this is Jesus, was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God and then we jump to verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Again, talking about Jesus. Interestingly, right here. The Word, a.k.a. the truth, from the beginning became flesh and walked among us, and His name was Jesus. That's how Jesus could emphatically say, I am. I am the way. I am the truth. Because He was the truth. <laughs> the truth in human form. And he walked among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, and so we see Jesus, his words, Jesus as God, his words in the Bible are truth and authority because they are from God. And since we believe that Jesus is God and his words are authoritative, then we must also believe that everything he says is, everything he says about the word of God is the word of God. It's from God. And we believe that. The authority of the Bible rests squarely upon the authority of Jesus Christ himself. Right there, right there, it begins to disassemble the progressive mindset of, well, you know, some of it's right. You know, here, here, is, here, is, here, is a, here is a statement you might would hear. Well, I believe the red letters in the Bible, the words in red, you know, the rest of it, not so much. <laughs> But I believe the red letters, because that was the words of Jesus. There again, seeds of doubt. Go ahead, eat some cheese. Go ahead, eat some of that cheese on the end of that mousetrap. Going beyond the red letters, Jesus also referred to the authority of Scriptures in the Old Testament. So if you're going to believe the red letters, well, in the red letters, Jesus himself, God, talks about the authority of the Old Testament. Jesus' view of the Old Testament Scripture was that it was the holy word of God. In Luke 24, 25, it says, And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary, and this is just for context, this was Jesus after the resurrection. God didn't have to, I'm assuming, but he decided to put this neat little story about the road to Emmaus right there in the last part of Luke. I believe for us today, I'm sure there are many other reasons, but I believe for us today to help to establish an apologetic, right? That Jesus not only was authoritative in the red letters, but in the red letters, he said, verse 27, in beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted 
to them, the disciples that were walking along the road with him, in all the scriptures from, the, from Moses, which is the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, all the way through through the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning him. Jesus, in his red letters, in his authoritative, because he was God, not only is he, his words, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, authoritative, but he refers back and says basically the whole Old Testament is also authoritative. It is the word of God. Ray Steadman, another a pastor and theologian, said, We need only to read the New Testament to see that the Lord Jesus cast the mantle of his authority over all of the Old Testament, and by anticipation, also over all of the New, of the New Testament. We know that the Gospels are the Word of God because the words of life, the words and life of Jesus are in them. We also know the Old Testament is the Word of God because Jesus confirms in the Gospels that the Old Testament is the Word of God. But then, how do we know that the rest of the New Testament? And here again, progressive Christians would say, well, I, I go with the red letters and I'll even go with some of the Old Testament. But Paul, Paul, he was wild and loose and he, he just said anything. And I just don't think that was God's Word. That's what you would hear. You will hear if you were to go and Listen to Derek the heretic. What does Jesus say about the rest of the New Testament? Matthew 28, 18. Very familiar scripture here. Jesus came to his disciples, to those that were there after the resurrection. He said, all authority, all authority in heaven and earth. He, he said those words, y'all. Not all authority from Caesar. No, all authority in heaven, out there. And on earth, in here, has been given to me, Jesus. Go, therefore, and make disciples in my authority. Go, here, take it. It's been given to me, now go. He has given the authority to his disciples. He gives this authority to his disciples, who then take the truth of Jesus, and he write God-inspired letters to us, to the church, that we still have to this day, 2,000 years later, give or take a few years, in order for us to receive that same truth that Jesus gave to them. Truth became a man, walked among us, and it was chronicled. His words were chronicled, and he empowered men to go and reproduce truth. And we are here today calling ourselves Christians because of the reproduction of truth. From the beginning, and it all comes from God's authority. Peter, who was there with Jesus on that day, then later in one of his letters confirms Paul as an authoritative and trustworthy author of his epistles. Evan, you can come on up. I'm going to land the plane with this one right here. I've been preaching a long time. Second Peter chapter 3, he says this in verse 15. And count the patience of our Lord as Savior, just as our beloved brother Paul, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. Some affirmation there. As he does in all of his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. Watch this. He says, there are some things in them that are hard to understand. Difficult to understand. That... I'm not paraphrasing, but I'm pretending to paraphrase. That I'm assuming Peter was talking about 2,000 years later, there are going to be some progressive Christians that come at you. <laughs> and they're going to say, these things are hard to understand. <laughs> they hurt my feelings. <laughs> it's a little bit of mockery there. I apologize if you're a progressive Christian here today. But he says, this is Peter, he says, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction. This was 2,000 years ago, y'all. It's, it's not a new thing. The devil's been working on overtime for 6,000 years, as long as man has ex existed. You, therefore, beloved, talking to us, you, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people, and lose your own stability. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in God's truth. Embrace God's truth for your life. Lean all in. 
Teach those around you. Lean all in. Embrace the truth of heaven, the truth of God himself. God's way is always going to be the best way. In another part of the scripture, it tells us to crucify our flesh. Now, not literally on the cross, but symbolically or theoretically crucify the flesh. And it's talking about your emotions because, yes, if you've been hurt in church, you've got good reason to be upset about that. It shouldn't have happened. It was wrong. It should have, and, there, and there should have been some accountability, and, and there, there should be. And tomorrow, if something happens, we will deal with it. And if it's you or if it's me, we will, we will, because that's the just thing to do, and God is just... But if you've been hurt, the wrong thing to do is to deconstruct to a point where you forsake the Bible as God's authoritative truth. You forsake God. And he knew some would, and he warned us and says, beforehand, I'm going to tell you, it's going to happen to some. You don't have to be that. Man, if you're, if you're, I'm not speaking to any particular person in here right now, but if you're 16 or 17 or 18 years old or somewhere in there and, and, and you really, if you've been entertained by these Derek the Heretics and, and, and these guys out there that are just hurt and they're vomiting all this lies, you're, and you're, and you're, but it's got a ukulele in the background, so vomit, I guess, tastes better with a ukulele. But you, you're, you're like, you're receiving it and you're embracing it and you're, you're like, you know what, you know what, okay, okay. I like that. It feels better. And you're, and you're, even if you're just nibbling on the cheese, you're playing into the hand of the enemy, y'all. And, and I've said it with love and grace, because I love every one of you. And yet, if you walk out of here today and you still go do it, and we will continue to love you and pray for you. And pray that you would come back, not to us, yes to us, but not to us, but to truth, right? Come back to truth. That God would open your eyes to see what Peter just said. But I'm going to tell you this, from the very beginning, I think, Justin, sometimes I think I would never fall for that trap. But why do I think I'm better than Adam and Eve? who had no sin, no sin nature, nobody to tempt them around them. Why do I think that I would be any different? So I can't just say, I'm good. <laughs> Not going to happen to me. Why would, I, why would I be that prideful to say that? You know what? I need you. I need you, Michael. Philip, I need you, man. Because if I ever start going cray-cray, you got to come help me. If you go cray-cray, me and Justin are coming to your house, buddy. Because we love you. We need one another. We need the truth of the Word of God. Because left to ourselves, I think you get it. We need help. And God said, I've got help. Matter of fact, he sent his Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, to teach us everything I've taught you. God sent his Holy Spirit to confirm in us the truth of God in this day. And all we got to do is welcome the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit. Open the word of God and say, teach me, Holy Spirit. Teach me. Teach me to follow your ways. Don't be naive. Amen? Come on. Let's pray. Father, help us to hold true to the doctrines that you've given us. Help us today to believe that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. Help us to believe today that it is the reliable truth for our lives. Help us today to live according to the Bible, to living to, according to truth every day of our lives. Father, we, we pray, we pray today that we would not be naive, to think that we're strong enough 
on our own to withstand. Help us today to not be naive to think that we wouldn't stumble and fall. Help us today to realize that those around us that we have the opportunity to love on and to build up, that, that we wouldn't be naive to think that they're strong and going to be okay, that God, we would give our lives to the truth. We give our lives to the truth. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us to be convicted to a level to give our lives to the truth, that we would not slide or fall short. God, that we would finish the race strong. God, I pray, for, I pray for the men and women in the room today. I pray for the young people in the room today. I pray for the children sitting in the, the, the voice today, my voice today. I pray today, God, that your grace would be on them and that, that, God, your spirit would move on their lives and that, God, that we would receive, be open and receptive to you and to your truth and your word and that your word would shape and form us and it would be the light to the path before us and it would be the very thing that transforms and renews our minds so that we would not be conformed to the ways of the world. God, that your truth would be that, that tool in our lives that would form our character and our conviction. Father, I pray for those in the room today that they're here today seeking Jesus. Come on, folks, help me pray for those that are in the room today that are seeking Jesus. You've come here today seeking Jesus. If that's you, God is reaching his hand out, and he's saying, I died and gave my all so that you could live. God is here today to rescue you. We call it to get saved. Some might ask the question, saved from what? And I will tell you, saved from God, because without Jesus, the wrath of God is against us. God saves us from his wrath when we give our lives to Jesus. We were sinners and Jesus died for us. There was nothing we could do to get to heaven because heaven requires perfection. We're lost and undone. Depraved is a word that would describe our condition. Some of you might be here today and you're like, I need to be saved. God sent Jesus to do just that. The Bible says if you'll believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins and you would confess it with your mouth that you would be saved. And so I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And if that's you, right there in the seat where you're at, you pray this prayer from your heart. And I, I tell you, God will forgive your sins and he will transform your life. Just say something like this and help us out, folks. Say something like this. Say, God in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. I turn from you today. I turn from them today, my sins, and I turn to Jesus Christ. I ask you to save me. I ask you to teach me to know you. Teach me to love you, Jesus. Tell him this, say, I, I give you all of me, Jesus, and I receive all of you today. In Jesus' name, amen.